Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 5th, 2014. And today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 105, paragraph 4. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Sue V., the Twelve Traditions, Joanne L., Readers of the Text, Diane B., Marie P., and Sylvia F. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, August 4th, 2014, is 6718. 6718. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees from members. We are self-supporting to our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's step tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sue V to read the 12 steps. Sue V, if you'd press star 1 to unmute. Janice M., could I get you to please read the 12 steps this morning? Yes, good morning to you, Melanie. Yes, my name is Janice Can you hear me? I'm so, it's Sue here, I'm sorry. Can you still hear me? I, I can, Jan, Janice. May I go ahead and have Sue read then? Absolutely, sure. Great, oh, thank I'm you. Sorry. Good morning, good morning Sue. Was, sorry, okay. <laughs> morning, this is Sue V., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. Uh, the 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God 
as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Thank you. I will now ask Joanne L. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. This is Joanne recovered in New Jersey. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page 105, paragraph 4, which begins with, "There there was never financial security. And I will ask Diane B. to begin reading. Good morning, this is Diane B. from New York, a grateful, recovered, compulsive eater. 
There was never financial security. Positions were always in jeopardy or gone. An armored car could not have brought the pay envelopes home. The checking account melted like snow in June. Sometimes there were other women. How heartbreaking was this discovery. How cruel to be told they understood our men as we did not. The bill collectors, the sheriffs, the angry taxi drivers, the policemen, the bums, the pals, and even the ladies they sometimes brought home. Our husbands thought we were so inhospitable. Joy killer, nag, wet blanket, that's what they said. Next day they would be themselves again and we would forgive and try to forget. We have tried to hold the love of our children for their father. We have told small tots the father was sick, which was much nearer the truth than we realized. They struck the children, kicked out door panels, smashed treasured crockery, and ripped the keys out of pianos. In the midst of such pandemonium, they may have rushed out, threatening to live with the other woman forever. In desperation, we have even got tight ourselves. The drunk to end all drunks. The unexpected result was that our husbands seemed to like it. Perhaps at this point we got a divorce and took the children home to father and mother. Then we were severely criticized by our husband's parents for desertion. Usually we did not leave. We stayed on and on. We finally sought employment ourselves as destitution faced us and our families. <clears throat> this is quite quite the uh, page here. Um, I'm Diane, compulsive eater, recovered today. There was never financial security. That's really what I would like to talk about, also about um, the families, because um, when I was in my disease, it didn't matter how much money I spent. Um, I could, you know, just go from one drive-through to the next and just continue uh, buying more and more food and, you know, eating it in my car. Um, so this cut deeply into the amount of money that I had uh, to spend on my family. And then um, also because I was eating that way, I was sleeping a lot. And my children were very young when I was really into the, the depths of this disease. And um, they were being neglected. I was sleeping a lot. I wouldn't, you know, I'd be angry. I would be upset. I would yell at them. Um, I just couldn't deal with all the stuff that was going on in the house. Um, it wasn't until I got recovery that I was able to see uh, what kind of destruction I was doing in my family. Um, my husband was very ill, and I had to take care of three young children and him, and I just couldn't face that for quite a while until I came back to the rooms and um, you know, got the steps and got the recovery, in which time, at which time things really uh, calmed down. So um, I'm really grateful to this program, and uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. And uh, like I said, I can, you know, relate to the parts about the family. So thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Diane B. Who would like to comment on what was read? Marcella. Good morning, Marcella. Um, Thank you, Melanie. My name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So, to wife, and um, going back a page, it says that anybody who's bound by love and affection uh, can understand the message that the wives of the first 100 um, can give us today. Um, this chapter has made so much sense to me when um, instead of to wives, I read to sponsors. 
um, because uh, when I try to sponsor somebody, I really become attached to them emotionally by type of affection and by type of the hope that this will, this will, will work for us and that this process will work for both of us. And then um, when my sponsees, because I had had, sadly, I had had the experience that my sponsees relapsed, and, and, and I go into these feelings, all of these feelings. Um, I try to hold the love of OA for my sponsee, for my relapsed sponsee. I really do. I mean, I say, just, you just have to believe in her. Just try to just give her another chance. She really wants to stop. Let's try another time. I I go into sometimes I even got, get scared of going into an OA meeting. Why? Because my sponsors are are in relapse, and then I despair. I say, can't you see how the relapse is draining the hope from OA as a whole? And and I see their suffering, and then I start doubting of myself. I said, um, who's next? Am I going to lose it too? No. This part, this uh, whole chapter to wife is kind of like what really made me into the sponsor that I am today. Um, it's very, I mean, the solution is very cruel. We'll read it little, little by little, but um, if anything, I strongly invite you to apply this to yourself if you're a recovered compulsive overeater trying to spread a message. Thank you. Thank you, Marcella. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Janice. Hi, good morning, Janice. Good morning to you, Melanie, and good good morning to everyone. My name My name is Janice M and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Yeah, and I changed those uh words too, to wives. I put uh for me, this is my story, to husbands, to husband and to son. Because those are the two main people that were mostly affected by my disease. They didn't understand the disease. And as far as financial, oh, boy, um, I spent so much money on food and um, different clothing sizes. And, uh, yeah, my husband was affected by that, you know, and he made good money. Um, But he could see me spending and spending. Did that affect him? Of course it did. He became, he was emotionally affected. He was, you know, saying, what, you know, are we going to lose this? Are we going to, what's going to happen? And, um, you know, my son would want some money. And uh, the biggest thing was when I spent so much money on food, my husband used to be so upset because, you know, I would buy everything that I liked and nothing that he liked. Did that affect him? Of course. Then I would throw out food. Uh, because I didn't want him to see that it spoiled. And he once said, many years ago, he said, you know, you waste my money on food. And what happened was he started going shopping, because that way he could control the money. And uh, does this have an effect on people? Absolutely. You know, because he just, um, he was getting frightened. He was getting scared because of the finances, and we made good money. But uh, he just couldn't, and you know, today he still buys the food, so I just tell him what to buy. Um, he just does. He's retired and he wants to. But, you know, he was doing everything. Keep They, they keep on trying to solve my problem. And, uh, you know, once they get into Al-Anon or, or learn that 
it's it's not their responsibility to solve my problem. It's my responsibility. So they keep trying and they keep getting more frustrated. That's what happened in my family because they didn't understand my battle with the food. And uh, with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Sally. Hi, Sally. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I thought I heard someone else. I'm sorry. Good morning, Emily. Good morning, Edition for you. It's Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. I would like to speak to um, the second paragraph where it says, We have tried to hold the love of our children for their father. We have told small talk that their father was sick. And I, I think this is interesting, first of all, because what they're doing is they're explaining that the the spouse is trying to control the the relationship and the reaction of the children to their to their sick parent. And I really relate to this. Um I in many on many levels I relate to this. Um and as it goes on and of course, it tells them that the father is sick, which is true because we we were sick. And um, finally, at the end of that paragraph, it says, "In desperation, we had even got tight ourselves." So, it's telling us that the spouse is not turning to God or to a relationship with God, but the spouse is then turning to the substance and the drunk to end all drunks. The unexpected result was that our husband seemed to like it. And this really kind of uh, blows my mind because it really does paint a picture of my married life because my husband was my eating buddy. And um, when I wasn't his eating buddy, it was, didn't go well. But when we were eating buddies, it went very well. And so I think they're painting a picture here of the eating buddy scenario or the drinking buddy, whatever the case may be. And um, the the idea of where it says we have tried to hold the love of our children for their father, it really makes it clear that what the spouse is doing is trying to control relationships and trying to, they're playing God themselves, and they're trying to fix this big problem. And um, and they themselves are in uh, in a control situation. We, we try to, to control the food and, and stop the obsession that we're living with, and meanwhile, the spouse is trying to control us. And that's what I see here. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Nessa. Can I share? Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Yeah. Hi. Uh, my name is Nessa. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada. Uh, this is the line that I love. Usually, we did not leave. We stayed on and on. Uh, I met my husband. Um, about five years ago, and when we met, I was thin, or he didn't know that it was because I was controlling the food through um, through massive, massive purging. But then we got when we got married, my weight started climbing almost from the very beginning. I, um, you know, the bulimia stopped working for me, so I just abandoned it altogether for a while, and my weight just climbed and climbed and climbed until I reached almost 200 pounds. And you know, we fought. For 20 years, almost exclusively, exclusively about my weight, and um, you know, it, it was very clear how hurt, how hurt he was, 
um, and how concerned he was, except I was so self-centered and so wrapped up in myself that I, I didn't realize the hurt. I just thought, oh, you know, you just want a beautiful wife, a trophy wife. You don't love me for who I am. You know, you just want somebody beautiful, you know, whatever. Um, you know, even though he kept insisting, I care about your health. I want you around for many, many years. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that he did stick with me for 20 years of um, very, very, very active addiction. And when I read this, when I read this uh, this chapter, I just see the kind of havoc that I read in his, li- I read in his life. It was just... Um, heartbreaking um and truly it, it, it's just out of love that he um that he stuck by me and and um you know by the grace of god i was able to finally find um find a sponsor who um who said put the foot down and we're gonna go through the steps the right way and then recovery came and um you know the fight stopped you know we we no longer fight there's nothing to fight about because my foot is in place um, I'm no longer a crazy woman. Um, you know, my family, I have uh, I have three children. My family didn't know from one day to the next in what kind of mood I was going to wake up. Um, you know, I was going to be in a good mood or was I going to be a, a raging lunatic. And um, thank God this is not happening anymore. Um, and it's just a testimony that the steps work. They, they work not only for the addict, but they work for the whole entire family. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Larry. And this is Tara. Hi, I heard Larry. Good morning. And then Tara after Larry. Good morning, Mel. Uh, this is Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, it 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 it, it reminds me. Um, you know, thinking back, of course, I, you know, I, I remember um, in my first marriage, you know, I could, I could pick any, any slice of my life. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't know I had a problem. It seemed, you know, normal. You know, and so the people around me, you know, my wife, um, young child, you know, they, they, they knew that there was something the matter. I'm quite certain. You know, our life was a mess. You know, um, the Jekyll and Hyde existence that I had, you know, um, I could be a real sweet person. Um, I could be the type of person that would, uh, you know, make them laugh, uh, make them feel good. And then, but I just couldn't control my emotional nature. I wasn't balanced, wasn't congruent in any way wasn't um, honest, dishonesty was the norm. You know, I meant well, um, but I, I couldn't perform well. I couldn't act well. You know, so I, I was lacking integrity. And, and in this chapter, you know, of course, uh, was there financial insecurity? Sure, I, I could make a living, could make a pretty good living, couldn't hold on to what I had. And they paid, the, they paid the price, you know, and they didn't understand. They just knew that I was, you know, that I was, I was sick at times, you know. And, and then it became sort of the norm for them, looking back, I think, you know, that, that, uh, that misery. You know, one moment uh, he's up, one moment he's down. Where is he today? You know, eventually we became roommates, really. 
you know, my wife and I. And so, you know, some of this, um, when we look back, I mean, I, I think back to like Bill's story, you know, in on page eight, uh, no words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. It was all about me, you know. It was all about me, myself and I. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I was drowning in the quicksand. It was sucking me down, and I was kicking and fighting and going down faster, you know. And and thus, all all the people around me, um, certainly my family, um, uh, paid the price. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. You know, I didn't know it at that time, that first marriage. I, I wasn't to know it for, for decades, unfortunately. But, um, you know, uh, food was my master. And, uh, and the result was lack of humility, lack of self-discipline, inability to love others, truly love others, uh, to persevere, to be a man of integrity. As a result of working these steps today, I can be all those things. What a gift were given. What a tremendous gift. I, I mean, do I have gratitude this morning as we read about the destruction that we caused? Of course I do, because I have worked this practical program of action. That's all I did. And God did the rest for me. God swooped in and changed me as a man. And so today, I don't have to live that way anymore. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Lara. Larry, sorry, and uh, Tara, you're next. Thank you. This paragraph really, really brings back some troubled uh, memories. Um, When I was in my first marriage, I became bulimic almost as soon as we got married. Of course, the disease had been um, compulsive. I had been a compulsive overeater. And so for a short time, an anorexic, and that ceased to work. So um, in those days, I, well, I just didn't know about OA and it, the importance of carrying the message is comes through to me so strongly now that I realize what happened when the bulimia ceased to work, then I... I kind of just gave up on life altogether. And, I mean, I certainly, we went through the fights. My husband was trying to control me. Um, love was seeming to be dead. I just wanted out of everything. And um, I just became willing to do the next most desperate thing that I could do other than you know, just leaving life altogether. I just thought I would leave leave the um, marriage. And I thought, well, maybe that would improve things. I could go to another state. I could go to, you know, I was hoping to go to a place where there was no food and no, not no food, but no um, parties or, or places to to um, push my buttons to, to compulsively, compulsively overeat. And so I left and went to um, California, Arizona. I had family out there and brought my my sick head into other, you know, other people's lives. I actually left my husband because of the disease. 
packed up in in secret and and just took off and um then eventually I was married again and and um before the disease was before I found um OA and found help and so it really roared through a few lives many lives um but somehow some you know the miracle happened and i was i was um relieved of the bulimia and the compulsive overeating um by finally learning to trust a power outside myself and and um learning to that there were that there were things that i could do little things that began to make me see and feel that there there was hope and in that little it was very small it was like a mustard seed of hope that I could ever have what um, the people in the rooms had um, and I really didn't um, at that point away wasn't really that receptive to bulimics at least that's not the way I saw it. it it probably was just my mind was too sick to to grasp the you know the the true healing that was there but it's it's been it's been a healing journey and I'm absolutely 100% grateful to um to everyone who has been in OA from the beginning till now and with that I pass Thank you, Tara. And Marie P., would you begin reading with the next piece of our reading, page 106, paragraph 5, please? Yes, this is Marie P. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered. Um, We began to ask medical advice as the sprees got closer together. The alarming physical and mental symptoms the dampening pall of remorse, depression, inferiority inferiority that settled down on our loved ones. These things terrified and distracted us. As animals on a treadmill, we have patiently and wearily climbed, falling back in exhaustion after each futile effort to reach solid ground. Most of us have entered the final stage with its commitment to health resorts, sanitariums, hospitals, and jails. Sometimes there were screaming, delirium, and insanity. Death was often near. Under these conditions, we naturally made mistakes. Some of them rose out of ignorance of alcoholism. Sometimes we, seemed dim, we sensed dimly that we were dealing with sick men. Had we fully understood the nature of the alcoholic's illness, we might have behaved differently. How could men who love their wives and children be so unthinking, so callous, so cruel? That could be, there could be no love in such persons, we thought. And just as we were being convinced of their heartlessness, they would surprise us with fresh resolve and new attentions. For a while, they would be their old sweet selves, only to dash the new structure of affection to pieces once more. And why? They commenced to drink again. They would reply with some silly excuse or none. It was so baffling, so heartbreaking. Could we have been so mistaken in the men we married? 
When drinking, they were strangers. Sometimes they were so inaccessible that it seemed as though a great wall had between, been built between them and had been built around them. Um, this paragraph is really, uh, uh, this page is really full of stuff that I can relate to. Um, I so many times in, in OA and in diet clubs before OA would lose weight and my husband would be so proud and then I'd gain all the weight back again. I have been a compulsive overeater for years and years and years, and I've, I think I've lost 40 pounds about four different times. So I would get into a program and use it as a diet club and lose my weight. And then, because there was no spiritual background or anything built, built into it, it would just, you know, fall by the wayside. Um, I feel a much different connection since I've been working with a vision for you. I have a real connection with God in relation to my my overeating illness. Um, I never felt that connection before. I always thought that my religion in church would be the religion or, or the spirituality that I needed. But I needed more than that. I needed what I can get in OA. I needed to know that God was there for me, even though it seemed it seemed an insignificant problem. To know God has, is there for me and, and to have gone through the steps and felt that um, now... Now I really I really know what it's all about where I didn't before. And my poor husband several 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 times probably a day he will say to me, you know, you really shouldn't be eating that. You really shouldn't be doing that. Uh and and he tried so hard and my reaction would be anger. I would get so mad at him for trying to interfere with what I wanted. And um, my my daughter suffered too. Uh, like somebody else said, I would eat and sleep and eat and sleep, and that would be my my path. And my daughter, you know, she grew up with that. And um, And then when I would lose weight, she would be so proud. And then I would gain it all back again. So uh, it's been a long journey, and it's been a hard journey for me and the family. And I am very grateful for a vision for you because now I feel recovered. I feel recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Who would like to comment on what was read? Okay. Hannah. I heard Sarah and I heard Katie G and I heard Janice and I heard Hannah. Did I hear anybody else and missed the name? Great. Sarah W, would you please begin? Well, thank you, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah W, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. 
Um, I like the part where it says, how could men who love their wives and children be so unthinking, so callous, so cruel? There could be no love in such persons, we thought. You know, I think to myself of being on both sides of this coin, and it was always like, if you loved me enough, you'd stop. You know, you must not love me enough. That's the insanity of the co-addict or the Al-Anon or the person that lives with the compulsive overeater. You know, uh, how could you do this? And, you know, going back to the doctor's opinion, you know, the, the lack of knowledge and understanding of the physical allergy and the mental obsession is the reason why there was such lack of understanding of why we do these things. So here's the, the person that's partnered with us in desperation, you know, either doing the same behaviors as us to try to connect with us somehow or, you know, running away from us. Um, and then, you know, the addict Honey. the addict themselves is, is so confused with, you know, us, the, the, the compulsive reader, is so confused with why are you treating me like that? You know, I can't help myself. I keep trying, but I can't help myself. And so I think it really goes back to the idea that, first of all, uh, you know, there's, there's no real healthy separation between the two people. When, when, I, when I'm in the middle of addiction, people that are around me are, are like, like Sally was saying, in desperation trying to control because they feel so out of control, so the situation seems so out of control. And then that, those people are thinking, it must be me. Something's wrong with me. Uh, and not understanding that there is, there is a true addiction. So, you know, thank God we are where we are at. In, in, in 2014, where there is knowledge about the fact that what addiction really is. And I think the, the sadness is that we, we do create so much uh, wreckage with our past, uh, you know, that there is so much sadness. And the great news is that with, you know, recovery and with working on our defects of character with God's help and having this new spiritual alliance that we end up having, that we are able to truly change, and with that, our families start to reconcile. But as it says in step nine, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. And I think to myself, you know, I, I started in this thing 20 years ago, and I still have many defects of character. You know, these things die hard, and, you know, I have to be willing to do the work to get to the place where I will have some peace. And then my family will have peace, too. So I'm so grateful today for that. And um, today what I realize is the addict isn't a heartless person. The addict is an addict. I am an addict, but I can't use it as an excuse any longer. So the steps is what helps me become the person that I'm meant to be and to be able to do God's service. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Katie G. Hi, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service. Katie G. recovered for today. Uh, grateful to be here. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, what I really got from this is, you know, about the alarming physical and mental symptoms. Um, you know, going going back um, to seeking medical advice. Uh, my father, um, he is a doctor, and he just kept taking me to the top experts, right, in eating disorder clinics and research. And um, and he was truly terrified. I remember sitting across from him. 
um, and therapy and him saying, what can I do, you know, patiently and wearily climbing, like, what can I do? Why has my daughter put on 100 pounds in nine months of college? What is going on? You know, and by the time I got to the point where um, I, I was in, in such a bad relapse, I could not talk my way out of it. All I wanted to do was go someplace that I didn't have to do anything, that I didn't have to be responsible for getting up in the morning, that I didn't have to be responsible for anything, making any decisions. And my dad was so beaten down by the disease, he was just like, okay, whatever you need to do, whatever you think, I trust you. Um, you know, and just and, and there is an insanity because, you know, it was like, let's play, let's roll the dice. How is Katie going to show up? Is she going to show up, you know, the outer, the symptoms of the disease? Is she going to show up 100 pounds? Is she going to show up 228 pounds? And what is her behavior going to be? Is she going to show up at all? Is she going to call in and say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry, I really can't, uh, I can't come to Christmas. I can't go to the wedding. Um, and he tried and tried and tried. And um, I continued to take advantage of him. And, and it wasn't just the eating, right? It's the damage that I did um, with my relationships when I was untreated, when I was not eating, and the way I tried to manipulate, the way I lied to my father, the way I um, tried to get what I want in every situation. Um, and I'm just so grateful that I was able to find a program of recovery and that, you know, a day at a time I've been able to make amends um, and see you know, how my insanity, my unpredictability affected my father and my stepmother. I mean, watching me deteriorate in front of them in abstinence, or excuse me, in, in the eating and then in abstinence. You know, like your kid is in their early 20s and they're getting fired from their job and they're getting in these car wrecks. Like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, what's going on and, and what can they do? And, you know, today, thank you, God, I have an adult relationship with my family. And, um, you know, I'm aware, you know, with my mom, things are not all that healed. And that's okay. There's a lot of damage I did, you know, picking fights with her before she would come so that I could say, you know what, I'm not going to come and it's your fault. You know, that selfishness, that wanting her to pay for injuries that she did that I'm still suffering from, you know, things that the way I looked at my childhood and still wanting to punish her at the age of, you know, 28, not healthy. Um, and uh, I'm just grateful to have a program of recovery today that if I choose to accept it and live it in today actively, then I do have a chance. Um, at some normalcy and freedom, and most importantly, at life. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie. Janice M.? Yes, thank you, Melanie, and uh, good morning again. My name is Janice M., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. That first paragraph on 107, you know, under these conditions, under what was going on in the house, you know, whether you were sleeping and eating or whatever we were doing, this is addressed to the wives or the, you know, the husbands or the mothers of a son who's a compulsive overeater or who, you know, thank God they're giving us directions. This is, you know, we may not like advice, but, you know, it's the best advice that um, these wives who have experience with their alcoholic husband um, can give us. 
See, they whatever they did, they're they're teaching us from their mistakes that they didn't know any better. Like myself, years and years ago, I I went into Al-Anon because my son had an alcoholic problem, and I thought I could fix it some way. I, as a mother, didn't realize that his he had an illness and that I couldn't fix it. Money couldn't buy his his rehabilitation because we tried that. We tried everything, but we could not fix it, just like today. Nobody can fix my disease. And that's the effect. Thank God for Al-Anon, and thank God for OA, because like you know, somebody said, I'm on both sides. See, today I know. I'm a compulsive overeater. I know I have an illness. But, see, they didn't know. They, my husband didn't know it was an illness. How would he know the grave nature of the illness? Because he never went to a program that gave him this knowledge. He didn't know the grave nature of this illness. And, uh, you know, so how did I get recovered for spiritual principles? And, you know, and so what they're telling us, you know, we're going to later on, they're going to, they're going to use the same principles. And um, the, the home life will be so much different because neither did I understand the alcoholic illness when I was the mother, and I'm still the mother, um, or compulsive overeating. Today I do understand, and I can act differently. And I think that all this stuff here is, uh, you know, we, I was heartbroken, heartbroken. My only child, you know, would get a disease like this. Like, you know, how come? How come? Well, that's how it goes, <laughs> you know. And so it was baffling. If you don't know the disease, you don't know of the disease, you don't know that I'm powerless, it would be baffling and heartbreaking. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Hannah. You're next. Rabia. Hi, Rabia. Hannah's next, and then you can go right after after her, Rabia. Thank you. Sorry. sorry. Thank you. Oh, okay. We're good? Yes. Good morning. This is Hannah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Thank you, as always, for the meeting. It's it's um. I'm up very early, and it's a gift to have the meeting to come to. Um, you know, that last sentence, sometimes they were so inaccessible that it seemed as though a great wall had been built around them. Well, of course, that's the point. <laughs> you know, for me, as a compulsive overeater, that's exactly the point, to have a buffer between me and the world. Um, and And my pattern in relationships, in friendships, from the time I was a, a young child, was to pick as friends people who today I would say were compulsive overeaters, um, who gave me permission to eat, you know, whose mothers gave me permission to eat. Um, and as I got older and, you know, and I settled into a long-term relationship with someone who was a compulsive overeater and an alcoholic, and the alcohol just obscured all the food, you know, that just sort of made the food look really minor. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm in three programs and they're all touched on here. Um, as 
as a as a compulsive overeater, I really I understand that the price of abstinence is being accessible and that I have to learn how to use the tools of the program and the God of my understanding to mediate between me and the world. Because it, it's not, it isn't just in family relationships. It, it really, um, I'm, I'm, I have to deal with a contractor today and I have to say, you know, I think there's more work that needs to be done here and I'm not eating over it. You know, I'm not eating to pretend, well, it's really okay, it's, it's, it's good enough, I can get by. And I'm not eating because um, I just want to be able to be angry at him and food gives me that ability to act out. Um, so I, I, you know, I want to add because these, these my, my animals have been family relationships for me. Um, my dog is not a compulsive overeater. He gets up every single morning and says, oh, good, breakfast, and breakfast is always kibble, and supper is always kibble. And he just, you know, and I, I tend to complain about, well, I'm bored with this. I'm bored with eating healthily. You know, I want to just act out in some way. And he's, he actually is a model for me of a connection with whatever the life force is that's free of addiction. Um, and that that really helps me. You know, it helps me in my family relationships and the insanity in my family around food. Um, and I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, um, I've become aware of how I use other people's addictions with food and other substances to hide my own addiction with food. And I'm grateful to be aware of that today. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Hannah. Robbie M., it's your turn, and as it turns out, you'll be the last one to share today. Robbie M., press star one. And, and as I was saying, as it turns out, you'll be the last one to share with us today. Can you hear me now? I can, yes. Oh, great. Hi, this is Robbie and. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I want to talk about the power and grace of God because um, I'm on vacation at the beach with very poor phone reception, and and yesterday and this morning, I've had full phone reception and been able to be on this meeting, and I can't even tell you all how much I missed you last week. It, I've become so dependent on this meeting being my 11th step every morning, my spiritual entry into my day. And I really, I really miss when I can't start the day with you. And um, 
And also, as some of you know, I wasn't able to finish these last few chapters with my big book guide, and and I've been reaching out because I wanted to study these chapters with the recovered compulsive overeater, and and it hasn't worked out. And here we are reading these chapters. I am on yesterday morning when we started reading to the wives. I was just veiling. I was so happy that I was going to be able to study these chapters with all of you, and and I'm so grateful we're doing this. And so. Um, so as my share quickly, I just want to talk about most of us have entered the final stage with this commitment to sanitariums and hospitals. In 1984, I was in my first decade in OA, and I was a single parent, and my most precious, beloved only child, my daughter, was four years old, and I was working as a nurse in intensive care, and and I was at my top weight. I was wearing size 26, 28 clothes, my uniforms. I couldn't even pour myself into them anymore. I was shoving cookies in my pockets, trying to be a nurse to these um, critically ill patients. And I had, and I went away down to Florida. I live in New York. I went down to Florida to a 12-step food addiction recovery program, and I had. There's no way to explain to a four-year-old child uh, who I'm her only parent that I'm leaving her for 28 days. It was so heartbreaking. It was, um, and and that was, uh, you know, I, I've had so many relapses since then. You know, that was just the first time that she was so severely affected by this disease, and and all the close people in my life so. Words can't even describe the gratitude and I have in, in being recovered today, being recovered for three short months through a vision for you. And um, and, and I, I can't even speak anymore. I'm so filled with gratitude. I pass. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Rabia. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sylvia ask, please read from a vision for you? Yes, this is Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in upstate New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.